Welcome back to True North Talk, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great day today. This is episode 28 of True North Talk, and in this episode, we wanted to dive into, I would say, one main point, and that's the character of Jesus and who Jesus is. Uh, So throughout this episode, we're going to kind of challenge everybody listening to think about your own idea of who Christ is and how he impacts your life every single day. But um, today we're going to be reading out of Mark 1 through 3 and kind of break down a couple different aspects of Jesus's character. Uh, and I think this is an important thing to touch on. Peter, you can give me your your opinion on this before we kind of break in, break down everything. Uh, but I think it's important to know the character of Jesus and who he, who he truly is before we can, uh, you know, fully appreciate our relationship with him. So I think that's kind of the important takeaway from this episode just to, to preface it. But I mean, you have any thoughts on that? Definitely. Yeah, I definitely obviously agree with that. Um, I think a lot of times we talk about all the different points in faith, whether it's, you know, having faith, trusting in God, um, you know, how to, how to avoid or how to handle sin or all the kind of like ideas, but we don't often, or at least not as often as we maybe should focus on the character of, of Jesus and who Jesus truly was. And so getting, getting started this year with a new Bible reading plan, I'm going to be reading through the, the new Testament along with Psalms and Proverbs, which I think is probably the best reading plan you can do in a year. Um, especially really regardless of your, you know, Christianity experience level, whether you're a new Christian or, you know, someone who's been a Christian for, you know, a decade or decades, I think it's kind of the best place you can go to to get closer to God and to learn more about who God is, and and again to 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 kind of get closer to God and then be able to you know be be kinder and you know more compassionate toward others and show them the light of Jesus. And um, my church is also going through a fifty-two week series. And I think these these first couple of, of weeks, one of the questions has been, you know, who who is Jesus? Who was Jesus? And so I wanted to bring kind of that idea to this podcast. Um, and so unless you have something to, to add to that, Joe, I want to I want to ask you your own from your own thoughts in your own mind. Who is Jesus to you? I know that's a loaded question, but I'll just keep it at that. Who is Jesus to you? To me, Jesus is the intercessor between man and creator. And, and I mean, in fact, he is the creator, but he is the the intercessor. I'm not particularly remembering the exact scripture that I'm that I am tracking that thought with. Um, but the idea of him going in, in our, on our behalf, pleading our case with God to mm-hmm. give us the ability to be forgiven for our sin. Uh, he's the intercessor. He is the intermediary. And he is God, um, and it's a very personal thing to realize that. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the first thing I think about when I think of Jesus is the personal uh, reality of him. But I'll, like I said, his character of being that intercessor and putting everything on the line and allowing us to have direct contact with our Creator at any moment in time—that's uh, what I think about. I mean, there's literally <laughs> a million things I could say other than that, but that's the main thing that first comes to mind when I think of Jesus. Perfect. Yeah. And I think, I think it's cool to just kind of keep it at your, your first thoughts when you hear, you know, when you hear the name of Jesus, cause we'll, we'll dive into some, some examples of, of the character of Jesus and some of even, I'm, I'm not sure if any of these pa- passages that we picked out, um, specifically talk about him being an intercessor with God, but I think it's at least hinted at once we start getting into this scripture and, 
um, you know, just for me, I want to add, you know, what I think before we dive into the scripture too. I, I think of Jesus as the perfect son of God come to earth. You know, he, he was the perfect son of God. He was from eternity past. He was in heaven with God and with the angels and yet was willing to, to be a part of God, God, the father's plan and, and was a part of his plan to come down to earth be born as as a regular human while also still being fully god and lived a perfect life died for our sins and then rose to life giving us um, not only new life and an opportunity to spend eternity future with god but to also um, just have have hope for this life and something to um, just you know have you know a light at the end of the tunnel when when times are are, are dark in life or to have, you know, a, a reason to be able to appreciate when things are going right. And so that's, that's what I think of to, to shorten it, give a quick summary. I would say Jesus is the perfect son of God come down to earth to sacrifice his life for us. So that's, that's what I think. And if, if you have anything else to add, Joe, but otherwise I think maybe we can, we can start diving into the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Really quickly. Uh, so first of all, I agree with that. Um, you know, I think that kind of connects with what I was saying about his, just the person, the personal nature of Christ. Hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of the best way to sum up what I was trying to say was just the personal reality of, of Jesus and who he is, is kind of what I think about. Uh, but that ties into the fact that he is the son of God. He came down to earth. And I think it's also important to say, like, I think we sweep under the rug a lot of the times we take for granted that we have historical fact that he was here, Hmm. bro. Like what you're telling me we have, you know, whether there's the whole debate of, you know, did he, was he, uh, you know, did he resurrect? Right. You know, did, did he truly do what the Bible says he did when he was here? But the fact that he was here is not even a debate. I mean, we have historical record. We have scientific fact hmm. that he was on this earth. And that is just incredible to me. So I, that's, that's kind of a random thought, but I wanted to throw that in there. And the, just real quick before we move on, uh, the, the scripture that I was thinking about, Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him because he always lives to make intercession for them. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, like I said, intercessor, intercessor uh, personal nature. Uh, and I, I want to I go ahead and agree and underline with everything that you said as well. Definitely. And, and I think that verse, I'm glad that you thought of it and were able to find it because I think that does perfectly connect what we were both saying, you know, at the beginning there. Could you, could you read the the very, or I guess if you want to read the whole verse again, but especially the, the beginning. Yeah, and, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So he is able to save forever those who draw mm-hmm. near to God through him. And the second part is because he always lives to make intercession for them. Yeah. I mean, that's literally the two points that we were talking about. I, I love how that, that works out like that. And that's, you know, I love when things work out like that, where you're thinking of something <laughs> and you, and then you see it in the Bible or you hear it from your pastor or something like that. Literally, you know, the first part of the verse is, you know, save, he came to save forever. And then it literally says the word, you know, intercessor on, on behalf of us. So I think that's just beautiful how, how Again, scripture works like that. It's one of those things, you know, we didn't plan this. Uh, <laughs> we both give our two answers and they just present themselves right yeah. there. In the so, yeah, like it, like, you know, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It has happened a couple of times on the podcast oh, yeah. in the past, but it's always funny kind of when it happens. But yeah. anyways, I don't want to distract too long. I think you're no. trying to move on. So No, that's okay. I, th- I think that was, that was perfect. And I think it also shows how important it is to have a good background 
in of knowledge in the Bible because you know I'm Just, sure we, in, we the, read in the people we get to read the word exactly and I'm sure you know those verse that verse was you know somewhere back in the back of our minds and that's you know how, how God works he worked through both of us to connect both of our thoughts about who Jesus is with what we found in scripture so again I think I think that was perfect I'm glad you were able to find that verse and uh, again amazing how that how that works like that yeah and, and really quickly too before we move on mm-hmm. uh, I want to ask you a question I just thought of this sure because this this entire episode is about who Jesus is what do you think some of the dangers are of not basing because you were saying you know we we had that somewhere in our minds from reading the word as current up where we got that from but what do you think are some dangers from of people having their idea of Christ and who he is not based in scripture like, yeah, I think the danger of that is. I think the danger I think it's pretty of that. Common. Yeah, definitely. I think it's pretty common, and and I think, you know, I'm I'm not gonna you know talk down on what you're doing earlier, but when when people try to look too much at what the you know real tangible evidence was for Jesus Jesus's existence just through you know historical records, I think when people get too caught up with in that, and I want to stress that because it it is important to know that, and you know, important like like as you mentioned it earlier. Um, for, especially for some people who are more a- inclined to think analytically and everything and want tangible evidence. But I think it is easy to get too caught up in that and trying to, it, it takes away from having faith. I think that's what makes it like that doubt that exists is what makes faith so special and what makes it so mm. unique and why not everybody can get on board with it. Because if we, if we all believed, like everybody on earth believed that Jesus existed and was the son of God, it wouldn't be as special as, as it really is. And, um, so, and I know I I didn't really maybe answer your question there, but to, to answer your question about the, the dangers of non-scriptural evidence, first of all, scripture is the God, the, the, the word of God breathed by, breathed by God through, you know, through prophets and through the disciples and through a bunch of other, you know, important biblical figures, all of that was inspired by God. And when we try to look outside of that, it's not, if, if it's at all inspired, it's certainly not fully inspired by God. Like the, the, the word of God, the Holy Bible is fully God breathed. But when we look at not sources, only that, just really yeah. quickly, I got to interject here. Sure. Not only that, John one, in the beginning was the word mm-hmm. and the word was with God and the word was God. I mean, mm-hmm. the word is the supreme authority. Yes, because it is God. It is, it is equal. It is, you know, the, the, the who Jesus is there, there you go. There's to answer kind of the, the question that we're basing this whole episode on. There's, there's one answer is, you know, the word, the word. he, he is the, the very essence of, of the Bible. And so, yeah, that, that would be my answer. And when you, you know, humans are flawed, obviously too. That's the other side of it. On one side, it's when you neglect the perfect word of God, you're avoiding something that you shouldn't be avoiding. And then at the same time, also humans are, are obviously flawed. And so, and we're basing it only on our own logic. I put that in quotes, um, because compared to God, our logic is fleeting and weak, but um, when you put when you put your your beliefs and base your um, you know statements off of your own thoughts, you know again we're flawed as humans. So that's I think those are the dangers that I think of. But um, 
if you if you have anything else to add, you know, obviously, I'm sure I'm sure you do asking the question, which which was a great question, by the way. Um, you know, what are what are your kind of dangers that you think to to answer well, your first, question? First too? of all, thank you for saying it's a great question. I, I take that <laughs> very very I very much appreciate that. Of course, but anyways, yes, I mean, it's kind of a it's a strange thing to me. The reason I ask is because I feel like I've seen a lot of people younger, especially that they will tell you, you know, you you they hear something about Jesus or they hear a, a verse they don't like and they're like, oh, well, my Jesus wouldn't do that or my God would mm-hmm. never, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's weird to me because I think it's almost better to just, you know, it's almost better to be somebody who has a different understanding or, or different religion than to try to claim to, to subscribe to Christianity and to believe in Christ. But the second you read something about him that you don't like, you try to you try to, you know, disown it or, oh, that's not what I believe or that's not the version of my version of Jesus. Well, the fact is, like you said, Jesus is the word and there is a version of Jesus that is the true version. And anytime we try to divert from what the word says, we get really into really dicey territory really quickly. So that was kind of my point with that question. Definitely. Well, and I think it perfectly leads now into you know, actually going in and, and diving into the scripture. Um, I'll, I'll start with this, this first passage. Um, it's what I'll be reading from is Mark seven, Mark one verses seven through 12 verse seven through 13. Um, but I, I do want to just introduce the, the start of this, of this chapter and, and this whole book, um, introduces the promise from Isaiah that the messenger would be sent ahead of Jesus, the Messiah, a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so then it kind of talks about how John the Baptist was in the wilderness, preaching uh, baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Everybody in the area came to, to hear from him, and he was kind of a, a rugged guy out there with a clothing of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, eating locusts and wild honey. And this was his John the Baptist message, picking up here in verse 7. After really, me... Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Really, really quickly about John the Baptist. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you're too familiar with him, if you've done a lot of research on him, but I'm almost certain that a good amount of people thought he was the Messiah back mm-hmm. in the day. Good point. That, yeah. You know, I, I remember watching... <laughs> I'm very cautious to make a statement like this based on on something like this, but I remember watching The Chosen, okay, the Netflix yeah. series of, of Jesus, and I know that there's a few inconsistencies with that whole situation, but in that show, they showed John the Baptist, and he people were coming to him like, they thought he was crazy, but then some people also thought he was the Messiah, and mm-hmm. he was denying it, uh, but as we can see here, like you were saying, his purpose was to to prepare the way for Christ himself. So definitely just interesting side note there. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that is important because I'm sure we do have some listeners who aren't too, you know, too familiar with the, the background of John the Baptist. So I'm glad you were, you provided that there. But again, this was, this was John the Baptist's message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whom, whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I think I'm actually, I'm going to pause there because I want to get your thoughts on, on that. I feel like maybe it's 
somewhat self-explanatory what's being said here, but I want to get your thoughts on on what you take out of this, you know, these first few verses. Uh, well, I was just going to say, actually, I, I was not going to interrupt you again because I've already done that twice. And I'm, I'm very sorry for that. <laughs> That's okay. Even though the information was relevant. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the verse 11, mm-hmm. and a voice came from heaven, you are my son. That right there tells you uh, Jesus was the son of God. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. And this is actually a point of, of strong disagreement between Christianity and other religions, uh, clearly between Judaism and also between Islam, because... You know, Judaism doesn't think he was the Messiah. They don't think he was the son of God. And Islam does not think that he was the son of God either. They think he was a prophet. But right here, uh, if anybody ever asks you, Hmm. you know, is there only one way to God? Is there only one true God? Right here, the answer is yes, because the Bible is clearly stating he is the son of God. And and there's there's absolutely no debate about that. But prior to that, uh, just the image of I mean, can you imagine seeing what's being described there? Hmm. I feel like it's that's one of those things that is, you know, he's trying to put it into <laughs> human words, but right. you, there's no way that you could possibly describe kind of what happened there with, with the spirit descending from heaven. Yeah, that, that's a great point, too. Yeah, it's one of those kind of like special spiritual moments in Scripture that, you know, kind of like the whole book of Revelation really is. It's just a, yeah, a human yeah. trying to put into words what God put into into his mind. And so, yeah, I think it's 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 a really, you know, amazing thing thing to read and kind of try try to imagine in our own simple human minds what that might have looked like. Um, Bro, would you say that that trying like I think a good analogy for that is trying to take like a an 8K video <laughs> and and taking a screenshot of an 8K video or a picture and giving it somebody who's not an artist and say, here, draw this huh. and draw it in detail. Right. <laughs> I feel like that's a good way to describe that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be for sure. There's just no way. Yeah. Especially, especially yeah, a regular person who's not, you know, a professional artist. I like, like me, if you, if you presented that opportunity to me, I don't think I could even <laughs> come close to doing that. <laughs> hey, it's all good, bro. We don't, we don't have to all be artists. So yeah, that's okay. Chilling. My, my, Two two people in my family are shout out shout out my my brother Johnny and my mom, uh, both of them are very are very talented artists. So, yes. But but anyways, I, I did the reason I did want to stop is because I feel like verses twelve and thirteen are obviously very relevant to who Jesus was, but didn't quite connect as much with the the baptism and John the Baptist. So picking back up in verse twelve though. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Quick, quick little background before before I get your thoughts on this one too. There's, it's probably in Matthew, I would imagine, if not Luke or John, um, two of the other Gospels. Um, but it, it kind of goes more in depth about the the temptations that Jesus was faced. The first one was, um, you know, say to these rocks, become bread. Um, another temptation, and one's escaping me because I know there were three. One was turn this um, this rock into bread, and then the the third one was, um, you know, see see all of this land that I can give you. The, the devils told Jesus, um, you know, I I can give this to you. I'm gonna look that up while Wasn't while the other you one, didn't he tell him to throw himself off the cliff or something like that and angels will catch you yeah that yeah, that was it yeah. so but if you wanted and then he to add in all the kingdoms of the world yeah, exactly exactly that was the the yeah. wording so 
I'm going to try to find, I maybe mean, it, see if we can quote that a little bit better. But um, yeah. if you want to add your thoughts to those two verses. I mean, I just think it's interesting. What does it mean by he was with the wild animals? Like, was, was he just chilling with, you know, with some deer or something like that? Or <laughs> they kind of just, I'm sure they were gathering around him. I mean, yeah. you, you have to imagine the animals know that that's God. I mean, that's their creator. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's gotta be some sort of like attraction there. Right. Like some <laughs> sort of like magnet. I right. feel like almost. And just probably uh, and his, also, his calm spirit kind of drew, drew the animals to him because they knew that he wasn't they weren't in danger when they were around Jesus and also I have to say this too I mean just straight up because I don't I genuinely don't understand like why does why did Satan think he could tempt Jesus honestly (laughs) like did he really think that oh this is possible I'm going to change his mind like this is God in the flesh because I almost think in order for that to happen maybe Satan didn't fully know that it was Jesus I mean maybe he didn't fully know yet what Jesus was going to do I don't know because why would you try? That that could be a good good point. I think, and we're just making interpretations here, obviously. But my thinking is, it shows a sin that can creep into all of our minds, and that's pride and self assurance. You know, you, you do raise a good point. It is possible he didn't know it was Jesus. I would be more inclined to think that he did know, and my thinking would be his his logic in this situation is. Oh, I can, I can, you know, have have victory over Jesus. Which, um, if you've, I'm sure you've watched Passion of the Christ. I, I think this is in Passion of the Christ. They kind of give a again. It's an interpretation, but kind of a look into basically Satan rejoicing when Jesus was killed on the cross. And so it's a similar situation where he thought that Jesus has been, had been defeated, and obviously Jesus hadn't been, at least not eternally. So, um, and and really, even his death on the cross was not a defeat in any means it was the ultimate victory but aside from aside from that point i think here it's a good example and again we're we're really digging into this a little bit but i think it shows the the danger of being too prideful yeah i would agree uh i also think that maybe it's the case that he didn't uh you know basically the story has not been written yet at this point like Hmm. you know everything is still unfolding in real time and I also think possibly and this is just, like you said, it's speculation, but I think possibly Satan being the fallen angel that he is, you know, he was previously in heaven. He interacted with, with angelic beings probably very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, he under he understands how the spirit world works. He probably understands God. Uh, I don't want to say to a greater degree, but maybe in a different way than we do. You know, I feel like more, maybe a little bit more personally or just, I don't know, interacted with God in a different way than us. So he has some sort of belief that possibly I think that he he thinks that, well, it hasn't happened yet, but maybe I could, you know, sway God in a certain way. Kind of like how he deceived a third of the angels. Yeah. Like I'm sure I'm sure prior to that happening, you know, nobody thought if you had, you know, if you had seen angels and interacted with them and known, you know, they're in the presence of God, they're like, you know, any reasonable person would probably say, well, there's no way they'd ever turn against God. Well, He's clearly pretty deceptive to get one third of the angels of God hmm. to follow him. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting uh, question to ask. Definitely, yeah, I, th- I think it is. It is a good question, and I think the, the the point, the both points that you made there are definitely good points. And um, yeah, I mean, it it, it shows that that Satan does have some degree of power, but as it shows here with Jesus overcoming that, Jesus obviously has a far greater power. 
And before yep. before we move on to the next couple of verses, um, I just I think it shows his it showcases early on because this this is it's in Matthew four. Um, if you want if you want to read this uh, this is you know if the listeners want to read this more um, in depth kind of get more of this this whole story of the temptation it's Matthew four verses one through eleven um, but but I think it's a, a, another look into um, just how Jesus was perfect you know he had these ultimate you know he he was 40 days and 40 nights the first temptation is is bread so i'm sure at this point he was you know he was fully god but also fully human so i'm sure he was starving at this point and then the the next one is the next temptation is to have him you know throw himself down and the angels will you know lift him up which i'm sure he would have been exhausted at this point and so being lift, lifted up by angels is something that would have encouraged him as well and then th- this one is you know again kind of the the temptation to be too prideful the, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor and he said all this i will give to you if you bow down and worship me and then jesus said you know the ultimate restraint the the one who never sinned said away from me satan for it is written worship the lord your god and serve him only so that's that's my kind of other takeaway from this passage, but unless you have something else to add, I think maybe we should move on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, I think that people don't, and myself included, you know, fully grasp or think about the idea of the fact that Jesus was was fully man. So, you know, we sweep under the rug that oh, he was just he was God, so he didn't he wasn't tempted. You know, it was easy for him to say no. Well, no, I mean, he's fully human being. So, all these struggles that we go through. Uh, you know, temptation or, or hunger or whatever the case may be, you know, he fully experienced those emotions and was able to overcome them. So I think that gives us hope as well uh, that if we, if we put our trust in Christ, that we can overcome these things as well. Um, what else was I going to say? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of blanking on my second point, but that's, that's kind of what I had for the temptation side of things. Okay. If you, if you come up with it again, uh, I think maybe I'll take the, the next passage and maybe if I'm reading that, feel free to, to cut in if you, if you remember that second point, but I got you picking back up in verses in verse 16, 14 and 15, uh, John was put into prison proclaiming the good news of God, but Jesus continued to do that saying the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near repent and believe the good news which I think just quickly score underscores his his main purpose, his main objective, which was to, you know, bring people to a belief in God and to, to for those for, for everybody to repent and to believe the good news. But then, uh, and this kind of this kind of underlines it further. I think Jesus calls his first disciples is what this section is called. Picking up Mark one verse sixteen. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And then it talks about he called James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were also preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men to follow him, to follow Jesus. Um... So that that's that's the next the next part that I that kind of wanted to highlight of just you know God's I guess objective to create in in humans a a desire to fish for people and just I think it shows that that was really 
probably I would say Jesus's main mission aside from again, you know, living a perfect life and dying on the cross for our sins and being raised again. But, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on really like the calling of the disciples as a whole? Yeah. So when we're talking about the character of Jesus, um, it is upon our, it is a duty for us, uh, as believers and as human beings to take on the character of Christ, or at least to attempt to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the further along we get in our walk with, with God, we should be, um, you know, becoming more, we, we should be striving to become more like Christ. So something like this, verse 17, um, it's the switching of fishing for, for, for fish to fishing for people. Hmm. And I think that's a mindset that we all need to have in life. Uh, it reminds me of a conversation I had recently with a person and they were sharing with me, uh, they said that a childhood friend of theirs, they kind of like fell off for a while and they just recently reconnected. Uh, and this is a person they were pretty close with. And then when they met them later on in life, this person kind of had become, you know, prideful and just self-absorbed. Um, and you know, this person told them that their main goal in life was to make money. Hmm. And they just were like, wow, that's, that's not who I thought you were. I mean, that's not really who I remember you to, you to be. Uh, but that's a common thing I feel like in our, our generation and in our society is that we are told by celebrities and by social media that we should be chasing status and fame and money. Um, and that's, those should be our goals in life. And right here, as Jesus said, they're not fishing for fish. They're not fishing for, to make money, to provide for themselves. Uh, come follow me and I will send you to fish for people. In our last episode, we talked, and even in conversations off the podcast, me and Peter have been talking about, you know, the idea of, you know, what is our purpose in life? And I think this is a fundamental understanding for everybody listening to this show um, that our purpose in life cannot be driven by material possessions. You know, lusts of the world, uh, the pride of life, the, the lust of the flesh. We cannot be motivated by those things because ultimately they will lead to our detriment at one point or another. The idea is that we need to have a focus on God and to fish for people and souls and to lift others up. And I think that understanding gives you a mind of, you know, just an under, just an outlook and, and, and disposition of empathy automatically when you approach every, every day like that. Uh, it allows you to relate to others because you truly care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think that that is a fundamental understanding of life that we all need to strive to hold because not only Jesus, not only did Jesus teach it, but it, it'll also in my opinion, you know, either determine our, our fulfillment or our our lack thereof. Definitely. Great, great point there. And yeah, I think that's a good way to, to, to sum it up. I think if you, if you're ready, we can move into the, the next thing, which is kind of, kind of diving more into Jesus's power and, and his miracles into Jesus driving out an impure spirit picking back up in Mark chapter 1 verse 21 they went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out what do you want with us Jesus of Nazareth have you come to destroy us I know who you are the holy one of God be quiet Jesus said sternly come out of him the impure spirit shook the man violently, and he came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? 
a new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him, Jesus, spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And then the next the next part, uh, passage is literally titled Jesus Heals Many, talking about his continued healing of people who are sick and, and, and in need. So, Joe, what are, what are, what are your kind of thoughts on this? And then I'll, I'll give my kind of observations from it. I don't know. I guess like the personality of the spirit, you know, it was like, what do you want with us? Like, hmm. have you come to destroy us? It, it was almost like annoyed to see Jesus. I just feel like that is the epitome of the difference between the light and darkness hmm. is that I, I think that's why people get so mad. Right. I, I don't know if you saw this, Peter, but, uh, Logan Paul recently was kind of under some heat because he was like attacking. I don't know if you know George on, on Impulsive. Yeah, but I literally, you know, attacking. you know, it's funny. Real, real quick, I literally watched the video about this like, like an hour or so before we're recording the podcast. So I'll let you get into it. But I literally just <laughs> okay. found out about it before the podcast, bro. I'm telling you, me and Peter are tapped in, bro. We were for on the real. Same <laughs> but anyways, I think I recently saw this thing where Logan Paul was like attacking George on this podcast and just mm-hmm. to give you all some context if you're not familiar with this show impulsive logan paul is a famous person he has a podcast he's friends with quote-unquote friends with this person named george george is on his show he's a very humble guy he's a very respectful guy uh never forces his opinion on really on anybody i mean i i think he's very self-aware and, and very emotionally intelligent but logan paul went on to attack him on the podcast they had a conversation on the podcast that really probably should have been had off air hmm. Uh, but it was essentially an attack on George's beliefs because he's a Christian. And, you know, Logan was saying, you know, it's it deserves to be laughed at. It's just hilarious that he has these beliefs. And it's it was it was honestly bizarre to see to me because he you know, if you know this George guy, he's like I said, he's a very respectful person. He's the last person that you would think should be getting attacked on on a podcast, especially from somebody who's claims to be his friend. But I think it is because just like this spirit, when it sees Jesus, uh, when darkness is confronted by light, um, it's very, it can be very, um, I don't know, a severe reaction because the darkness hates the light and the truth, as we've said many times, can tend to offend those who don't like the truth because there is a singular truth. Jesus, like we just read, you know, the character of Jesus is the word the, the, you know, there is a singular truth and that when that truth does penetrate, you know, souls, depending on, you know, where that soul is at, it can bring a very severe reaction. So that's kind of what it reminded me of. Uh, but you can go ahead and I don't know what you want to say about the Logan Paul situation. But that's kind of what I think about it. I think you you covered it really well. I was just, even if there's anything that I thought to, to add to it, I would have, but I think you, you covered it really well. And it's, it's interesting. I'm not going to dive into it, but there have been a few things that have kind of not been going so well for him recently especially in terms of publicity and stuff so just kind of you know i'm not saying that he deserves for those things to happen but a little bit interesting i got a question for you really quickly yeah and this is this is kind of off topic i guess because we're not relating this i just related this to the scripts that we just read but Mm -hmm. on a on a in a different um way you know when i see logan paul and this is relating really back to faith he is a person who consistently avoids um, and just wants to deny Jesus and wants, mm. to, wants to wants to deny God. I mean, he wants to claim a spirituality. 
uh, and this whole like character evolution thing that he's you know that the, that the world has accepted about Logan Paul ever since the Japan situation, um, you know he, he's like yeah you know I'm a, I'm a I'm a more mature person now I'm emotionally evolved, like what does all that mean outside of God? I mean can you really even <laughs> grow as a person outside of God? And and I think you know maybe in some ways, but ultimately if you don't have that foundational truth running and guiding your life you're going to have these downfalls. And I think that's kind of, you know, you said he's had a few incidents. You can kind of tell me what you think, but to me, that's, that's kind of what's, what's behind all this is that if you don't have that foundation to come back to eventually, you know, your character will, will just have, I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it, but situations that come up like this. Definitely. Yeah. And there, there was a point that I wanted to make while you were, while you were talking there, but it kind of escaped my mind. Um, just, yeah, I, I lost it. But You're talking about character evolution, talking about all that without God. Oh yeah, know. growth. It was it was when you mentioned growth. Thank you. Um, it was like there there. I feel like growth is possible, but there's healthy growth and there's bad growth. The the growth that much of the world seeks after is like a weed that grows up and is is not there to to do anything good for the plants that surround it, but to you know sink its roots deep and to take over the the plants that's there but with and it kind of i actually read this this morning it's one of the parables that i read from mark 4 was the parable of the sower it's kind of the same idea there talking about growth here um is the there's there's growth you know where you you hear the word of god and you know it's like throwing it on on rocky so you you know, just aren't even like open to, to accepting it. And, you know, some people fall under that. And then some people have it fall on, uh, or I think on like dry soil and it sprouts up for a little bit, but quickly dies out. Those are people who kind of get a, a quick fire for God. And then they don't have, they don't establish a foundation for themselves and that growth dies off. And then another parable is into we into weeds and thorns and that's when you're basically kind of surrounded by people who who tempt you with with ways of the world and your growth cannot happen because you get kind of choked out by those weeds and the thorns but the good growth is the seed that is planted on good soil planted by the word of god tying this all back into to jesus's character someone who is surrounded by people who exhibit God's character, the character of Jesus, and given given the opportunities and the foundation that they need to grow in that faith. And so uh, I, I'm glad that, th- that this conversation came up because the parable of the sower, I mean, as, as Christians, me and Joe are both very familiar with it, but it's fresh in my mind right now. Um, and so I think that that's, that's what I take out of that whole situation is, you know, I, I think, you know, growth can happen, but the world often seeks after what is unhealthy growth and, you know, what growth that just is like a weed and that only creates really more problems. And, you know, some weeds, some weeds can even look, look, you know, look good. Some weeds produce flowers and they, they they're even kind of nice to look at, but all they have in the end are destructive qualities. And so I think that's my point on on kind of the difference between growth that's based in a foundation of Jesus and worldly growth. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, two things that I thought about when you were when you were saying that is the first thing is you know like you said having people around you. Thank God that He has George. I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I don't think a lot of people in that situation in that position of fame and power and all that you don't have to have. When you get that much money and power, 
you know, if you wanted to, you could literally seclude yourself and not hear a single time ever again about God. So thank mm-hmm. God that he has George in his life. Uh, and I also want to say like, you know, extending empathy and everything like that. I'm no better than Logan Paul. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, there, I'm not sitting here like judging him or anything like that. I don't want to cast any judgment. I don't want to be negative toward him. But I, what, what I am saying is that denial of God and reliance on yourself and, you know, just not submitting yourself to God, eventually you'll, you'll, you will reap, um, you know, the negative side effects of that. You know, you reap what you sow. If you're not sowing your seed, like Peter said, in the, uh, in the ripe ground of, of truth, then you will eventually face the consequences. Hmm. Now, um, like I said, I, I want to be empathetic when I'm saying (laughs) this, but you know, it, it is something that you have to say if you see something like that happen where, I don't know, it was just kind of sad to see him attacking George like that. But, I, I mean, I think he understood. He came out and apologized. And, you know, even a lot of his fans that weren't even Christians were saying, like, that was kind of messed up, bro. Like, I don't I don't know why he took it that far. But I think it's tying this all back into Mark. I do think that is what happens uh, when an impure spirit or, or just darkness is confronted with light, even mm. if George is respectful, because he is. Mm. You could be the most respectful person possible, but if you say it, if you say the truth, the Bible said Jesus did not come to, you know, unify everybody. He came to divide, you know, brother and sister. I mean, sometimes your family will do that. And that is because darkness absolutely hates light. Hmm. It hates it. Yeah. So. That very, very well said. And I think the, the point of darkness to, to try to try to segue this a little bit more back into, into Mark. I think this is what we'll wrap up with. I, I had said through 44, um, because 40 through 44 in Mark is kind of the same thing. A man with leprosy came, begged him on his knees. Um, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus does heal him. Um, actually, I will get to, to verse uh, verses 43 and 44, but I want to start with this, talking about you know how light draw, drives out darkness. Starting back up in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Sorry, did you say you want me to read uh, no, I, I, 40 through 44? I, I wanted to stop there before we get into those verses. What are what are your thoughts on kind of Jesus' desire to to have some solitude and some, some prayer? Uh, I think that that underlines the importance of our, our um, I don't know, responsibility to do that as well. Hmm. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the world and get caught up in our responsibility. I feel like we've talked about this before, but, you know, when you stay busy— People think that busyness is always a good thing, which generally speaking, I think it's very good to be productive in our lives and we should strive to be productive as much as we possibly can. But every person, including the most, you know, uh, outgoing extrovert needs that time to sink back and just, I don't know, have some solitude like Jesus did here uh, and talk to God. Because without doing so, there's absolutely no way that we're going to develop a personal relationship with him. So I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of my thoughts. Oh yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. It's it yeah, it shows the importance for us to to calm down and take a take a moment to to spend with God and to you know people talk about you know to use like 
a, a yoga term like find their chakra, but really people should be looking for for the connection with with God in, in, in prayer. Um, and so I think that's and, and then talking about Jesus's character here, too, I think it also shows that. You know, it makes me think, you know, was he already feeling, even though this is the first first chapter of Mark, was he, you know, did he already, I mean, I'm sure he already knew, but was he already thinking about what he had come to the earth to do? You know, was he thinking about how he was going to eventually have to lay down his life in the most excruciating way possible for us? Hmm. You know, I, I, I can imagine that would weigh on on the the conscience of somebody knowing that they would have to go through all of that. And so, and even just, thing. even I just mean, the pressure too of, of having to, to go around and, and preach to people. I mean, uh, I know that personally from having, you know, my dad be a pastor that, that, that can weigh on people, you know, having to, to go, you know, every, every Sunday and even more often during the week, sometimes have to, have to speak in front of, you know, a whole, whole bunch of people, even if, even if you're good at that, it, it can get exhausting. And so I think that shows that, that, you know, even Jesus needed to, to take a break. It kind of to get, go back to your point to take a break and slow down. I mean, and like, a, you know, even relating this into, to Pete and I's personal lives and, and kind of our, our goals and everything like that. We were just having this conversation too, about sometimes you need to take a break. I mean, it's mm-hmm. good to be, you know, moving forward and progressing, but you know, I mean, you do need to take a break and I also think that you have to be at peace with yourself and with God to be able to, to, to do that. I mean, you cannot go into solitude and be at war with your own with your own spirit, you know, because if you are, it will force you to be at peace with God and to be on the same page. That's kind of what we said all the time about praying and reading your word is that you it's literally impossible as a human being to not settle your differences and and repent. Uh, you have to do that if you're going to if you're going to have solitude. There's just no way around it. So, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely necessary. 100%. And then so I, I can, I can finish out 43, uh, 43, 44 if you want. Yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll introduce that real quickly. The first couple the verses before it, he heals a man with leprosy. And then, you know, starting in verse 43, Jesus gives this message to, to the man with leprosy who he healed. We're going to, so we're going to go ahead and go to Mark two, verse four through 12. Uh, okay. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging it, digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Uh, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Hmm. And just, I don't know if you had any thoughts, but I mean, my initial thoughts there is he kind of gave him the option. He was like, he picked up on what they were thinking about, you know, about blasphemy, about forgiving sin. And I don't know. The question is interesting to me about which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. That's kind of like a mysterious, I don't know, conundrum to face them with. They probably didn't even understand that question. Hmm. That's kind of what I was, I, that, that's what comes to my mind, bro. Definitely. I think it's, 
you know, talking to these these leaders of of the the temple, I guess at the time or um, Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin, the teachers of the law is what it, how it how it phrases it here. Um, you know, they they would have believed that only God had the power to forgive sins and and to perform this sort of miracle to to heal this paralyzed man. And so when they, yeah, I think that was kind of Jesus's way of kind of challenging the teachers of the law and that kind of established norm of of the the Hebrew faith at this time, of the Jewish faith at this time. And I think it's kind of, again, his way of kind of challenging what what had been done in the past and giving evidence that he was the the answer now you know they no longer would have to sacrifice you know sacrifice animals in in the temple or um basically you know pray and pray that those sacrifices were enough to appease god i think jesus is is showing here that he has the authority to to forgive those sins and to perform those miracles and so yeah i think the, the point that you made is a great point and it is it, it would have put them definitely you know i would have loved to see the the faces on these teachers of the law when jesus asked them this question because i i imagine they would have simply been baffled or thought you know he's he's a blasphemer and it's almost the question itself to me it's almost like it's almost like Jesus is saying, "Oh, you think it's blasphemy to forgive sins?" He was like, "What? What's easier? Is it is it is it easier to say that, or easier to say get up and take your mat and walk?" I almost and I'm no biblical scholar. I want to say this first. I'm not like an you know I had not studied the scripture for 20 years at length, but just kind of what speaks from that, in my opinion, is is like he's almost like, "Oh, you think this is tough? Well, how about this too?" And he does hmm. both of them like right in front of them, and they're probably just like. They were probably still thinking about that question when he did it, and they were like, "What the heck? <laughs> what just happened?" <laughs> right. So I don't know. It was almost like a—I don't want to say flex because Jesus would never flex, but a humble, a ways, humble flex. You could call it yeah. that, maybe. But but not yeah, not a weird flex, but okay flex, just like a humble flex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was any Sanhedrin people saying weird flex but okay <laughs> <laughs> no they would they would have been like i said completely completely baffled by this question and you know maybe even potentially a bit offended because their their beliefs were being challenged here but yeah i, th- I think that yeah. passage also i mean again it shows the the authority that jesus had and also the compassion you know that he had for others wanting to heal this paralyzed man wanting to heal this paralyzed man and having the 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 power and the authority to to forgive forgive the sins of this man and so i think it's that that's a you know really great passage that that kind of again goes into to jesus's character and then i also want to say really really quickly before we move on yeah uh, you know the the point of this episode was to ask the question who is jesus Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you all are picking a lot, picking up on this, and Peter probably as well. But I'm noticing every single story we're going through. There's like little elements of Jesus's character that we're we're kind of adding up here. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we even have like assertiveness when he sternly said to that spirit, like, yep. "Get out of this man." You know, empathy. Um, you know, and and I think it's important to know that God is Jesus is when he needs to be assertive because we cannot be scared as Christians to not be assertive when we have to say something we have to say. Hmm. But there's also so many aspects to Jesus' character that we're uncovering here. Uh, and I think, yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting to the point where it's, it's kind of coming full circle. So it's pretty cool to see. Definitely. And 
I think it's a, a perfect transition, but we'll stick with the with those teachers of the law here, um, starting in verse 16 of Mark 2. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they and, and tax collectors basically at this time are like the IRS, so so everybody, everybody hated them. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be weird if, if Jesus came today and was with the IRS. I think his popularity <laughs> would probably quickly decrease in the United States. Probably. But, yeah. I mean, I, I don't... Uh, it's true, though. It's true. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't... I don't know. At, at the end of there, when he says, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners, I think he was making a point by saying that. Because I think he did... He came for both the righteous and the sinners. But um, I, I think the point there was was kind of like what do you guys expect me not to be with people just because they're sinners? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that kind of ties into the whole Logan Paul thing I was saying, you know, he, he, Jesus is not here for people like, just like me and Peter, where, you know, we have our faith. We, we, you know, we're in church and we believe these things. He came for absolutely everybody on this earth. So that's, that's the takeaway there. Definitely. Yeah. And I think the kind of analogy that Jesus makes in this situation is it's, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the, but the sick to kind of go off of that, you know, obviously all of us need to, even if we're healthy, we need to go in for checkups every once in a while. We need to, you know, know that we're still in, in overall good health. But, you know, the ones who really need a doctor at at a moment are those who are actually sick. And so I think that's a perfect analogy by, by Jesus himself there in in this point. Um, but yeah, it, also really quickly, too, yeah. I want to say, uh, just in case we have any Calvinists listening to this episode... Uh, I just said Jesus came for absolutely everybody on this earth. Again, me and Peter have had the conversation about predestination versus free will many Mm -hmm. times. Uh, I don't want to go into that whole thing. It's too deep to talk about, but take that statement as you may. I would say I lean toward toward more of a uh, God's sovereignty side of things, but when I say Jesus came for everybody, does that mean absolutely everybody on earth, or does it mean the called? I don't know. I just want to throw that disclaimer out there because I noticed that. So, Yeah, definitely. go ahead and pick up what 23 through 28 unless you had anything else to add yeah that that's it i was just gonna say if, if you want to go back and listen to that episode i think that might be like i think probably one, in our, of, one first of our first episodes. five maybe even like yeah. the third episode somewhere around there but yeah on on youtube i think so. yeah i think so okay so mark let's see 23 through 28 uh one sabbath jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along they began to pick some heads of grain the pharisees said to him look why are they doing what is un- unlawful on the sabbath He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Can you, I don't know, what do you, you, how do you break down those last two verses? Yeah, my I, I did have to kind of go back and and really like read it and think like it, it sounds like a riddle here, but basically what it's saying is God created the, the Sabbath. Once you solve those riddles, <laughs> for real, <laughs> <laughs> gonna have a have a question mark on you know on his on his robe or whatever, so like the Riddler. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. <laughs> but but to break that down, we need, we need Morgan Freeman here to to do that. The um, <laughs> basically uh, what it's saying though is God created the Sabbath 
as an opportunity for you know for 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 man for mankind to rest not it wasn't like man create you know came up with this idea and created the sabbath for their own you know for their own reasons or for their own benefit or whatever it was something that was given to us by god not something that we just created out of nothing um yeah and so then it's saying because the sabbath comes from god the son of man is Lord over the Sabbath. I, I hope that makes sense. It, it did to me hearing it, hearing it uh, said by myself, but uh, I hope that kind of clears it up for, for Joe and anybody else who, who didn't get it. Cause yeah, I didn't get it at first either. It was a little bit confusing, but reading through it, I mean, it makes you, sense. When you first read it, it does kind of seem like some, some sort of like a riddle or something like that. But uh, I, I think overall the point is like, you know, you cannot be you, you can't get all caught up in the legalistic side of things i think that's kind of the takeaway it's like mm-hmm. you know you can try to sit here and break down oh did somebody f- perfectly follow the rules uh but you know i don't think that it's i think the main point is just stop trying to be so legalistic he's talking to the uh you know the pharisees so it's they're always trying to you know look at the rules and, and try to criticize jesus for those things so i think the overall point is just you know he came to to establish a new a new covenant you know mm-hmm. and that's part of it is that it's not all about the rules. It's about where's your faith for sure. Yeah. And I think that was, that was kind of my final takeaway from this, this, you know, the whole passage right there was he came to challenge what had been previously. I mentioned this in our last point that, you know, sacrifices were what were needed this time. And just the whole like religiosity of, of the faith at the time. And Jesus came to really break that down and say, you know, to quote John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That was, I, I think that's, you know, another talking about Jesus' purpose and who he was. I think that's a great verse to kind of answer that question. Um, you know, we talked about early in the episode, John 1, 1, you know, the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then John, I think it's fourteen six. It might be six fourteen, but I'm pretty sure it's it's the former. Um, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. So, I think you know he he came into the world, and again, this gets back to the teachers of the law as well to just kind of challenge those teachers of the law and create a new standard. Right. Yeah. It's the new covenant. It's the new standard. It's not all about legality and rules. That that's kind of the overall takeaway. So I would I would, I would agree. Uh, but did you want to get 11, 3, 11, and 12, or did you want me to take that? I can get that, and then if, if you wanted to do, uh, do, do you still want to do 24 and 25 to kind of wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Cool. So so basically here, crowds are following Jesus to kind of provide some background, um, and he had, had begun to heal so many that the crowd just became kind of overwhelming, but... Uh, He healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Picking up in verse 11, whenever the impure impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. I think we might have talked about this in an episode before, but in case we haven't or to maybe rehash it for those who haven't, why do you think Jesus didn't want his identity to be revealed? That's a t- that's a that's a tough question. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it kind of goes back to your point about uh, about the overall idea of like if everybody believed, it wouldn't be as special. Hmm. I think Jesus kind of wanted his mission to be organically found out and not just um, 
proclaim that the son of God is on earth. Hmm. Even if you go, if you look at his answers when he's asked directly by some of his disciples, uh, you know, I think he asked Peter, like, who do you say that I am? When, when Peter asked him if he's the son of God, he didn't answer him directly. Like, yes, he was like, who do you say that I am? And then when somebody called him good teacher, he was like, why do you call me good? No one is good, but God, you know, he's kind of always answering in these ways where you can say he confirmed it, but it wasn't like himself proclaiming why he's here, who he is. Uh, I think that it's part of the mystery of faith is that it's really up to us to, to take these stories, to take what he said and really fully put our faith in him because he didn't, while he did lead us to believe that, and I would say he did proclaim him his his uh, uh, his kingship. Uh, it wasn't strictly, you know, ex- expressed at all times, uh, but especially here with um, with the impure spirits, I think it's yeah, it goes back to that idea of uh, wanting wanting us to seek him. You know, he said, "Seek and you'll find; knock and you will, you will get an answer." So that's that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Just to to add a little bit, I think the the destination is not special without the journey that gets you there. You know, if you just like, even, you know, flying can be cool sometimes, but I think road trips, you know, done the right way. Once you get to that destination, I had had a little smirk there. I don't know. Were you thinking about a memory there, Peter? uh, Road trips, when you're in a van, when you're in a van with two siblings can get a little long at times, (laughs) but I'm, I'm forever grateful for those road trips though, that I had growing up because you know, the, the memories that you have from the journey along the way, it's, I feel like it's just something in human nature that even if we don't like the journey when it's happening, we always look back at it and are like, Oh yeah. Wow. That was special. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's kind of what, you know, I think the same idea. And again, I think it's almost, it's in human psychology to have, have this, this feeling and why Jesus wants us to pursue our own faith is, I mean, again, first of all, to, to, add to the point that you made and I made earlier about it being it wouldn't be as special if everybody everybody believed it but it also when it's our decision to make and our process of getting to that decision you know and that gets into free will and predestination I'm going to steer clear of that a little bit for this for this time but um yeah I, I think it just it just makes it so much more special to to be able to know that well sure of course God led us along the way it was ultimately you know, our decision to make whether or not to, to follow him and whether or not to believe, believe in him. And so, yeah, I think, you know, him, him not wanting everybody to know who he is, or at least not in the way that he was being declared by the impure spirits, I think shows just the, the unique quality of what it is to, to follow Christ. Yeah. And it would take, it would completely take away, uh, even really the, the decision, because if, if, Jesus proclaimed, you know, on the world stage, which which the Bible does. I don't want to get this confused. The Bible says that um, in every every human being, the, the knowledge of God exists. So uh, God makes it inherently knowledgeable that he is real to everybody on this earth, first of all. But to outwardly proclaim that the Messiah is the son of God on the world stage uh, and to make it evident in that moment. And honestly, that might not even be that might not even be the point here. I think he's even talking about you know it's impure spirits. This is a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know why you would want the impure spirits to to go and proclaim who you are. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that it's uh it's it's a thing that we really should. I, I don't know pay too much attention to. But I think the point is like you're saying it's it is uh 
it's it's it would take away the the aspect of faith really at the end of the day but uh i'll go ahead and read 24 and 25 kind of wrap this all up and you know put some finishing thoughts on the episode Mm -hmm. unless you had anything else to add no i think i think it kind of goes purposely perfectly into this just to again quickly provide some background um he was continuing to drive out drive out demons and the hugest of the law came from Jerusalem and accused him of being possessed by um, Beelzebul, the, the prince of demons. So this is, uh, verse 23 says, how can Satan drive out Satan? And I'll let you pick up in 24 and 25. Yep. And then uh, just a quick side note, random fact, uh, for all of you, be aware of what you listen to. Beelzebub is a demon cited by the uh, the band Queen and probably one of the most popular songs of all time, Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody says I Beelzebub has a devil set aside for me I would not sing that out loud if I were you but hmm. just be aware of what you're singing and listening to um, 24 if a kingdom is divided against itself that kingdom cannot stand if a house is divided against itself that house cannot stand uh, parallels with our country as we stand right now uh, you know I think it's relevant in our in our country in our society and even in our our bodies if we are divided spiritually for divided uh, in those ways, we cannot stand. Hmm. You know, whether it's Logan Paul or whether it's your friend or your mother or whoever the, whoever it is, uh, <laughs> eventually you'll face destruction, as it says in verse twenty six. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come, which his end will come ultimately, as sin always leads you to do to to face your own destruction. So that's kind of finishing thoughts on my end. Yeah, just to, to close out then also, it also says, um, truly I tell you, people who people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. So just something to, something to watch out for is, you know, the, the language that you use, especially as it pertains to to the, the name of God and, and the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus himself. And then I also, I did want to close with this too. Jesus' brother, mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my bro- mothers and mother and brothers? He asked. Then he, Jesus, looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. I think that's kind of a, more positive note to end on than talking about, you know, impure spirits and everything is that if we, if we are close to Jesus and follow his will for us in our life, we are, me and Joe are considered his, his brother, um, you know, or, or for, for the ladies out there listening to this, you're, you know, his sister or his mother. So I think it's, that shows the, the human aspect of, of who he was and that, that connection, but also that, you know, he's still, he's still the son of God. So I think that's a, a good, good thing to end on in terms of the scripture. Um, but just, you know, it, it wraps up really like, like you said a little bit earlier in this episode, the, just how, how many different layers they are to who Jesus is and, and who he was when he was on this earth. And there are still so many, you know, different passages throughout, you know, really, I mean, the gospels, but even throughout the new Testament and sprinkled in the old Testament, so much that we still didn't even uncover in this episode, but I hope if you've you know listened all the way to the end of this episode, I hope you've gained a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and are able to continue pursuing discovering you know who Jesus is and and what he means to you. 
Yeah, and I think also a takeaway for everybody is um, it doesn't take too, too much of of reading or investigation to find out who Jesus is. I mean, if you're a person who doesn't really understand him, whether you listen to this whole episode or you, you just have not done it before, um, I mean, literally in, what, two or three chapters, they're, they're not that long. I mean, there's a v- very many stories and examples of who, of who Jesus is. So if you if you don't have a good understanding or somebody in your life doesn't, uh, I would just strongly encourage them to just pick up the Bible and read it. It, it doesn't take a ton of time to really you know, figure these things out. And ultimately, it's the most important thing we, we all can do. So I think it was an excellent episode, excellent way uh, for everybody to uh, have a greater understanding of our Savior. Yeah, 100%. And um, I just, just want to encourage for for the the people out there who who aren't Christians and are, are maybe still still facing some doubt I hope that this provided a little bit clearer a picture of who Jesus is um, I know before this episode we didn't really dive into this talking about misconceptions about who Jesus is uh, but I know one is or Christmas or, or Christmas, or Christmas. Um, <laughs> but I know one is that Jesus or just Christians Christianity in general is a religion of judgment um and just condemnation and you know just a a spirit of like looking down upon others but that that wasn't here at all in in these these verses and so i kind of want to end my my part by saying that you know if you're if you're out there listening to this and you are not a, a christian i hope that this you know kind of cleared up the picture of who jesus is and that christianity is not in its in its right form is not meant to be one of judgment and condemnation and um you know just looking down on others um you know it's yep. in any time yeah because people will say this i've heard it many times people will say oh what is christianity everybody has a different answer the fact is this most people who claim to be christians are not christian that's a sad reality in our 21st century and as the bible says itself the best way to find out what christianity is what jesus is who god is is read the word the word is god the word was God from the beginning. That is the truth. It is the the absolute truth, uh, and it's there's no any uh, there's nothing else to say besides that. So, at the end of the day, who who Jesus is is the word. So it's upon us. It's our responsibility to pick it up and find out. And but, he is also the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. Yes, and anybody who does not claim that really is not a not a Christian. So. With that being said, I think that's a good time to wrap up this episode, uh, episode 28 in the books. I want to say also for everybody else out there, a little shout out for Peter and myself. Uh, pretty exciting times for True North Media. We have a couple different things going on. Uh, Peter just started his his show, All Sports Talk, on YouTube. Uh, do you want to go ahead and give a quick rundown of what All Sports Talk is for our listeners? Yeah, uh, real short. All sports, all the time talk about you know all sports i've talked college football nfl nba a little bit of soccer on there and you know it's we're not too far away from the baseball season it's kind of a dead time for that but i know i'll have some baseball talk once that once that rolls around so yeah it, it's been fun and you know if you want to hear sports talk just you know without without a bunch of opinions and yelling at each other like you get on first take and all that it's <laughs> it's kind of a nice detox from that and it's just you know all sports all the time Hey, hey, no, no yelling and disrespect until I'm on the show, at least. Okay. Right? So that it's yeah. just a matter of time. And then the yelling and disrespect will ensue. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. But uh, no, everybody go shoot, tune into All Sports Talk. Uh, you can find it on Peter's social medias, uh, you know, his Instagram, all that type of thing he posted up. So go check it out. 
A uh, little plug for myself as well, Uncommon Sense. We're building it, political news commentary and analysis from an unbiased common sense perspective. If that's up your alley, go check it out. I know we keep this podcast strictly strictly about faith for the most part, so we're, we're kind of branching out. We got a little bit of culture, political stuff, you know, Uncommon Sense. We got sports coming out, all sports talk. Uh, and we have some more ideas as well in, in the vault. So stay tuned. Main <laughs> point, stay tuned for True North. Uh, but with that being said, if you made it all the way to the end of this episode, we sincerely appreciate it. I think it's a little bit of a longer episode. I don't have the time up right now, Peter, but it's it's we're we're, it's we're getting close to to about an hour and a quarter here coming up on that. Okay, yeah, yeah I kind of figured it was a little bit longer. But with that being said, thank you all for listening. Like and rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple. Share it with somebody that needs to hear this. With that being said, we will see everybody next episode. Peace out. Peace.